0: section 24 of hans christian anderson fairy tales and short stories volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jerry james hans christian anderson fairy tales and short stories volume 2 1844 to 1847 by hans christian anderson translated by h p paul the shadow by hans christian anderson eighteen forty seven in very hot climates where the heat of the sun has great power people are usually as brown as mahogany and in the hottest countries they are negroes with black skins a learned man once traveled into one of these warm climates from the cold regions of the north and thought he would roam about as he did at home but he soon had to change his opinion he found that like all sensible people he must remain in the house during the whole day with every window and door closed so that it looked as if all in the house were asleep or absent the houses of the narrow street in which he lived were so lofty that the sun shone upon them from morning till evening and it became quite unbearable this learned man from the cold regions was young as well as clever but it seemed to him as if he were sitting in an oven and he became quite exhausted and weak and grew so thin that his shadow shriveled up and became much smaller than it had been at home the sun took away even what was left of it and he saw nothing of it until the evening after sunset it really was a pleasure as soon as the lights were brought into the room to see the shadow stretch itself against the wall even to the ceiling so tall was it and it really wanted a good stretch to recover its strength the learned man would sometimes go out into the balcony to stretch himself also and as soon as the stars came forth in the clear beautiful sky he felt revived people at this hour began to make their appearance in all the balconies in the street for in warm climates every window has a balcony in which they can breathe the fresh evening air which is very necessary even to those who are used to a heat that makes them as brown as mahogany so that the street presented a very lively appearance here were shoemakers and tailors and all sorts of people sitting in the street beneath they brought out tables and chairs lighted candles by hundreds talked and sang and were very merry there were people walking carriages driving and mules trotting along with their bells on the harness tingle tingle as they went then the dead were carried to the grave with the sound of solemn music and the tolling of the church bells it was indeed a scene of varied life in the street one house only which was just opposite to the one in which the foreign learned man lived formed a contrast to all this For it was quite still and yet somebody dwelt there for flowers stood in the balcony blooming beautifully in the hot sun and this could not have been unless they had been watered carefully therefore someone must be in the house to do this the doors leading to the balcony were half opened in the evening and even though in the front room all was dark music could be heard from the interior of the house the foreign learned man considered this music very delightful But perhaps he fancied it for everything in these warm countries pleased him excepting the heat of the sun the foreign landlord said he did not know who had taken the opposite house nobody was to be seen there and as to the music he thought it seemed very tedious to him most uncommonly so it was just as if someone was practicing a piece that he could not manage it is always the same piece he thinks i suppose he will be able to manage it at last but i do not think so however long he may play it once the foreigner woke in the night he slept with the door open which led to the balcony the wind had raised the curtain before it and there appeared a wonderful brightness over all the balcony of the opposite house the flowers seemed like flames of the most gorgeous colours and among the flowers stood a beautiful slender maiden it was to him as if light streamed from her and dazzled his eyes but then he had only just opened them as he awoke from his sleep With one spring, he was out of bed and crept softly behind the curtain, but she was gone. The brightness had disappeared, the flowers no longer appeared like flames, although still as beautiful as ever. The door stood ajar, and from an inner room sounded music so sweet and so lovely that it produced the most enchanting thoughts, and acted on the senses with magic power. Who could live there? where was the real entrance for both in the street and in the lane at the side the whole ground floor was a continuation of shops and people could not always be passing through them one evening the foreigner sat in the balcony a light was burning in his own room just behind him it was quite natural therefore that his shadow should fall on the wall of the opposite house so that as he sat amongst the flowers on his balcony when he moved his shadow moved also i think my shadow is the only living thing to be seen opposite said the learned man see how pleasantly it sits among the flowers the door is only ajar the shadow ought to be clever enough to go step in and look about him and then to come back and tell me what he has seen you could make yourself useful in this way he said jokingly be so good as to step in now will you and then he nodded to the shadow and the shadow nodded in return now go but don't stay away altogether Then the foreigner stood up, and the shadow on the opposite balcony stood up also. The foreigner turned round, the shadow turned, and if anyone had observed, they might have seen it go straight into the half-open door of the opposite balcony, as the learned man re-entered his own room and let the curtain fall. The next morning he went out to take his coffee and read the newspapers. "'How is this?' he exclaimed, as he stood in the sunshine i have lost my shadow so it really did go away yesterday evening and it has not returned this is very annoying and it certainly did vex him not so much because the shadow was gone but because he knew there was a story of a man without a shadow all the people at home in his country knew this story and when he returned and related his own adventures they would say it was only an imitation and he had no desire for such things to be said of him so he decided not to speak of it at all which was a very sensible determination in the evening he went out again on his balcony taking care to place the light behind him for he knew that a shadow always wants his master for a screen but he could not entice him out he made himself little and he made himself tall but there was no shadow and no shadow came he said ahem, ahem but it was all useless that was very vexatious but in warm countries everything grows quickly and after a week had passed he saw to his great joy that a new shadow was growing from his feet when he walked in the sunshine so that the root must have remained after three weeks he had quite a respectable shadow which during his return journey to northern lands continued to grow and became at last so large that he might very well have spared half of it When this learned man arrived home, he wrote books about the true, the good, and the beautiful which are to be found in this world, and so days and years passed—many, many years. One evening, as he sat in his study, a very gentle tap was heard at the door. "'Come in,' said he, but no one came. He opened the door and there stood before him a man so remarkably thin that he felt seriously troubled at his appearance he was however very well dressed and looked like a gentleman to whom have i the honour of speaking said he ah i hoped you would recognise me said the elegant stranger i have gained so much that i have a body of flesh and clothes to wear you never expected to see me in such a condition do you not recognise your old shadow ah you never expected that i should return to you again all has been prosperous with me since i was with you last i have become rich in every way and were i inclined to purchase my freedom from service i could easily do so and as he spoke he rattled between his fingers a number of costly trinkets which hung on a thick gold watch-chain he wore round his neck diamond rings sparkled on his fingers and it was all real i cannot recover from my astonishment said the learned man what does all this mean something rather unusual said the shadow but you are yourself an uncommon man and you know very well that i have followed in your footsteps ever since your childhood as soon as you found that i have travelled enough to be trusted alone i went my own way and i am now in the most brilliant circumstances but I felt a kind of longing to see you once more before you die, and I wanted to see this place again, for there is always a clinging to the land of one's birth. I know that you have now another shadow. Do I owe you anything? If so, have the goodness to say what it is. No, is it really you? said the learned man. Well, this is most remarkable. I never supposed it possible that a man's old shadow could become a human being. Just tell me what I owe you said the shadow for i do not like to be in debt to any man how can you walk in that manner said the learned man what question of debt can there be between us you are as free as anyone i rejoice exceedingly to hear of your good fortune sit down old friend and tell me a little of how it happened and what you saw in the house opposite to me while we were in those hot climates yes i will tell you all about it said the shadow sitting down but then you must promise me never to tell in this city wherever you may meet me that i have been your shadow i am thinking of being married for i have more than sufficient to support a family make yourself quite easy said the learned man i will tell no one who you really are here is my hand i promise and a word is sufficient between man and man between man and a shadow said the shadow for he could not help saying so it was really most remarkable how very much he had become a man in his appearance he was dressed in a suit of the very finest black cloth polished boots and an opera crush hat which could be folded together so that nothing could be seen but the crown and the rim besides the trinkets the gold chain and the diamond rings already spoken of the shadow was in fact very well dressed and this made a man of him now i will relate to you what you wish to know said the shadow placing his foot with the polished leather boot as firmly as possible on the arm of the new shadow of the learned man which lay at his feet like a poodle-dog this was done it might be from pride or perhaps that the new shadow might cling to him but the prostrate shadow remained quite quiet and at rest in order that it might listen for it wanted to know how a shadow could be sent away by its master and become a man itself do you know said the shadow that in the house opposite to you lived the most glorious creature in the world it was poetry i remained there three weeks and it was more like three thousand years for i read all that has ever been written in poetry or prose and i may say in truth that i saw and learned everything poetry exclaimed the learned man yes she lives as a hermit in great cities poetry well i saw her once for a very short moment while sleep weighed down my eyelids she flashed upon me from the balcony like a radiant aurora borealis surrounded with flowers like flames of fire tell me you were on the balcony that evening you went through the door and what did you see i found myself in an ante-room said the shadow you still sat opposite to me looking into the room there was no light or at least it seemed in partial darkness for the door of a whole suite of rooms stood open and they were brilliantly lighted the blaze of light would have killed me had i approached too near the maiden myself but i was cautious and took time which is what every one ought to do and what didst thou see asked the learned man i saw everything as you shall hear but it really is not pride on my part as a free man and possessing the knowledge that i do besides my position not to speak of my wealth i wish you would say you to me instead of thou i beg your pardon said the learned man it is an old habit which it is difficult to break you are quite right i will try to think of it but now tell me everything that you saw everything said the shadow for i saw and know everything what was the appearance of the inner rooms asked the scholar was it there like a cool grove or like a holy temple were the chambers like a starry sky seen from the top of a high mountain it was all that you describe, said the shadow but i did not go quite in i remained in the twilight of the anteroom but i was in a very good position i could see and hear all that was going on in the court of poetry but what did you see did the gods of ancient times pass through the rooms did old heroes fight their battles over again were there lovely children at play who related their dreams i tell you i have been there and therefore you may be sure that i saw everything that was to be seen if you had gone there you would not have remained a human being whereas i became one and at the same moment i became aware of my inner being my inborn affinity to the nature of poetry It is true I did not think much about it while I was with you, but you will remember that I was always much larger at sunrise and sunset, and in the moonlight even more visible than yourself, but I did not then understand my inner existence. In the ante-room it was revealed to me I became a man. I came out in full maturity, but you had left the warm countries. As a man, I felt ashamed to go about without boots or clothes and that exterior finish by which a man is known. So I went my own way-I can tell you, for you will not put it in a book. I hid myself under the cloak of a cake woman, but she little thought who she concealed. It was not till evening that I ventured out. I ran about the streets in the moonlight i drew myself up to my full height upon the walls which tickled my back very pleasantly i ran here and there indeed ought to see in fact it is a bad world and i would not care to be a man but that men are of some importance i saw the most miserable things going on between husbands and wives parents and children sweet incomparable children i have seen what no human being has the power of knowing although they would all be very glad to know the evil conduct of their neighbors had i written a newspaper how eagerly it would have been read instead of which i wrote directly to the persons themselves and great alarm arose in all the town i visited they had so much fear of me and yet how dearly they loved me the professor made me a professor the tailor gave me new clothes I am well provided for in that way. The overseer of the mint struck coins for me. The women declared that I was handsome, and so I became the man you now see me. And now I must say adieu. Here is my card. I live on the sunny side of the street and always stay at home in rainy weather. And the shadow departed. This is all very remarkable, said the learned man. Years passed, days and years went by, and the shadow came again. How are you going on now?" he asked. "'Ah,' said the learned man, "'I am writing about the true, the beautiful, and the good, but no one cares to hear anything about it.' I am quite in despair, for I take it to heart very much." "'That is what I never do,' said the shadow. "'I am growing quite fat and stout, which everyone ought to be. You do not understand the world. You will make yourself ill about it.' You ought to travel i am going on a journey in the summer will you go with me i should like a traveling companion will you travel with me as my shadow it would give me great pleasure and i will pay all expenses are you going to travel far asked the learned man that is a matter of opinion replied the shadow at all events a journey will do you good and if you will be my shadow then all your journey shall be paid it appears to me very absurd said the learned man but this is the way of the world replied the shadow and always will be then he went away everything went wrong with the learned man sorrow and trouble pursued him and what he said about the good the beautiful and the true was of as much value to most people as a nutmeg would be to a cow at length he fell ill you really look like a shadow people said to him and then a cold shudder would pass over him for he had his own thoughts on the subject you really ought to go to some watering-place said the shadow on his next visit there is no other chance for you i will take you with me for the sake of old acquaintance i will pay the expenses of your journey and you will write a description of it to amuse us. by the way i should like to go to a watering-place my beard does not grow as it ought which is from weakness and i must have a beard now do be sensible and accept my proposal we shall travel as intimate friends and at last they started together the shadow was master now and the master became the shadow they drove together and rode and walked in company with each other side by side or one in front and the other behind according to the position of the sun the shadow always knew when to take the place of honour but the learned man took no notice of it for he had a good heart and was exceedingly mild and friendly one day the master said to the shadow we have grown up together from our childhood and now that we have become travelling companions shall we not drink to our good fellowship and say thee and thou to each other What you say is very straightforward and kindly meant, said the shadow, who was now really master. I will be equally kind and straightforward. You are a learned man, and know how wonderful human nature is. There are some men who cannot endure the smell of brown paper. It makes them ill. I myself have a similar kind of feeling when I hear anyone say, Thou, to me. I feel crushed by it as i used to feel in my former position with you you will perceive that this is a matter of feeling not pride i cannot allow you to say thou to me i will gladly say it to you and therefore your wish will be half fulfilled then the shadow addressed his former master as thou it is going rather too far said the latter that i am to say you when i speak to him and he is to say thou to me however he was obliged to submit they arrived at length at the baths where there were many strangers and among them a beautiful princess whose real disease consisted in being too sharp sighted, which made everyone very uneasy she saw at once that the newcomer was very different to everyone else they say he is here to make his beard grow she thought but i know the real cause he is unable to cast a shadow then she became very curious on the matter and one day while on the promenade she entered into conversation with the strange gentleman being a princess she was not obliged to stand upon much ceremony so she said to him without hesitation your illness consists in not being able to cast a shadow your royal highness must be on the high road to recovery from your illness said he i know your complaint arose from being too sharp-sighted and in this case it is entirely failed i happen to have a most unusual shadow have you not seen a person who is always at my side persons often give their servants finer cloth for their liveries than for their own clothes and so i have dressed out my shadow like a man nay you may observe that i have even given him a shadow of his own it is rather expensive but i like to have things about me that are peculiar how is this thought the princess am i really cured this must be the best watering-place in existence water in our times has certainly wonderful power but i will not leave this place yet just as it begins to be amusing this foreign prince for he must be a prince pleases me above all things i only hope his beard won't grow or he will leave at once in the evening the princess and the shadow danced together in the large assembly rooms she was light but he was lighter still and she had never seen such a dancer before she told him from what country she had come and found he knew it and had been there but not while she was at home he had looked into the windows of her father's palace both the upper and the lower windows he had seen many things and could therefore answer the princess and make all allusions which quite astonished her she thought he must be the cleverest man in all the world and felt the greatest respect for his knowledge When she danced with him again she fell in love with him which this shadow quickly discovered for she had with her eyes looked him through and through they danced once more and she was nearly telling him but she had some discretion she thought of her country her kingdom and the number of people over whom she would one day have to rule he is a clever man she thought to herself which is a good thing and he dances admirably which is also good But has he well-grounded knowledge that is an important question and i must try him then she asked him a most difficult question she herself could not have answered it and the shadow made a most unaccountable grimace you cannot answer that said the princess i learned something about it in my childhood he replied and believe that even my very shadow standing over there by the door could answer it your shadow said the princess indeed that would be very remarkable i do not say so positively observed the shadow but i am inclined to believe that he can do so he has followed me for so many years and has heard so much from me that i think it very likely but your royal highness must allow me to observe that he is very proud of being considered a man and to put him in good humour so that he may answer correctly he must be treated as a man i shall be very pleased to do so said the princess so she walked up to the learned man who stood in the doorway and spoke to him of the sun and of the moon of the green forests and of people near home and far off and the learned man conversed with her pleasantly and sensibly what a wonderful man he must be to have such a clever shadow thought she if i were to choose him it would be a real blessing to my country and my subjects and i will do it so the princess and the shadow were soon engaged to each other but no one was to be told a word about it Till she returned to her kingdom. No one shall know, said the shadow, not even my own shadow, and he had very particular reasons for saying so. After a time the princess returned to the land over which she reigned, and the shadow accompanied her. Listen, my friend, said the shadow to the learned man, now that I am as fortunate and as powerful as any man can be, I will do something unusually good for you. You shall live in my palace drive with me in the royal carriage and have a hundred thousand dollars a year but you must allow every one to call you a shadow and never venture to say that you have been a man and once a year when i sit in my balcony in the sunshine you must lie at my feet as becomes a shadow to do for i must tell you i am going to marry the princess and our wedding will take place this evening now really this is too ridiculous said the learned man i cannot and will not submit to such folly it would be cheating the whole country and the princess also i will disclose everything and say that i am the man and you are the shadow dressed up in men's clothes no one would believe you said the shadow be reasonable now or i will call the guards i will go straight to the princess said the learned man but i shall be there first replied the shadow and you will be sent to prison and so it turned out For the guards readily obeyed him as they knew he was going to marry the king's daughter you tremble said the princess when the shadow appeared before her has anything happened you must not be ill today for this evening our wedding will take place i have gone through the most terrible affair that could possibly happen said the shadow only imagine my shadow has gone mad i suppose such a poor shallow brain could not bear much he fancies that he has become a real man and that i am his shadow how very terrible cried the princess is he locked up oh yes certainly for i fear he will never recover poor shadow said the princess it is very unfortunate for him it would be a really good deed to free him from his frail existence and indeed when i think of how often people take the part of the lower class against the higher in these days it would be policy to put him out of the way quietly it is certainly rather hard upon him for he was a faithful servant said the shadow and he pretended to sigh yours is a noble character said the princess and bowed herself before him in the evening, the whole town was illuminated, and cannons fired. Boom! And the soldiers presented arms. It was indeed a grand wedding. The princess and the shadow stepped out on the balcony to show themselves and to receive one cheer more. But the learned man heard nothing of all these festivities, for he had already been executed. End of Fairy Tales and Short Stories, Volume Two, 1844 to 1847 by Hans Christian Andersen, translated by H.P. Paul.